surveys can do a really good job of you know not just being one-to-one conversations but canvassing and capturing feedback from a lot of people at once and then also the survey is a great way to figure out what to do next so you know if you find out through this survey that you have unhappy customers pass them to the product management team so they can figure out how to make the product better. If you find you have happy customers through that, then great, let's follow up and try to turn those customers into videos. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling Podcast. My guest today is Evan Huck. Evan is CEO and co-founder at User Evidence. User Evidence is a SaaS platform that enables you to capture and automatically publish verified proof points, ROI data, and customer success stories from your users. Previously, he has been a sales leader and you know held a number of uh, sales positions at you know Tech Validate, and then later when Tech Validate was acquired by SurveyMonkey, he also served in the sales and sales leadership at SurveyMonkey. So he's a lot of expertise uh, in this in this space. So Evan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So just to start off, um, tell us a little bit more about user evidence. What is user evidence? Yeah, so we're a fairly early stage startup and we're software built for B2B tech marketers and specifically customer marketers. To, to really create stories, success stories and proof points uh, from their customers at scale. So a lot of our customers, uh, they have a large customer base and it, it's hard to create case studies manually. So user evidence is a way to create libraries and arsenals of evidence and proof points and data points and testimonials and reviews from a diverse range of your customers really quickly. And, and what insight did you have that kind of led you to, you know, start the company and, and pursue, you know, this this particular kind of this mission? Yeah. So I, I approached this from the sales side and I was an enterprise sales rep. And you know, in deals, I would always get asked, you know, who do you work with that that looks like me that that we can speak to or that we can see a case study from. So if I'm talking to a bank, I want to see another bank that has a similar use case. And I would always have gaps and I would go to marketing say, hey, can we get another case study in insurance or the retail industry? And they'd be like, no, you know, we're only doing four this year and that's not on the list. Or yes, you can, but you need to go out to your customer and get approval to do that. And so I'd try and they would always say no. And so all of that was just really painful as a salesperson. I'd imagine also pretty painful for the marketer. And we, we figured there must be a better way. And, and in terms of like, I guess, the problem that, that user evidence solves, t- tell me more. So how are you guys kind of solving those problems? Yeah, so, the, you know, the problem is our customers would tell us, you know, r- really it boils down to it's, it's hard to find customers that are willing to go on the record and to share their stories publicly, you know, particularly if you're selling to larger em- enterprises, like trying to get a big bank or federal government to go do a case study is, is, is near impossible. Um, and then even when you do, it's a, you know, it's a bit of a process to interview them, get legal and PR approval to use their stories publicly, have a designer take that interview and then chunk it up into digestible forms of content that sales can use. So the end problem is really typically sales teams or marketing teams just have a shortage of proof points or stories, which might sound like we're missing stories in certain industries we're trying to sell to, or we need more quantitative evidence to back up claims around performance or ROI. Um, and it, it's it's hard to do that. So that, that's really the problem that we're solving. 
And um, and if we're going to just, I think, take it to the the, the ten thousand foot level, let's talk a little bit about the industry and why you know customer evidence is in is more important than ever, right? And yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, for especially for B two B companies, why do customer stories and you know customer evidence evidence based marketing? You know, what what does it all really matter? And you know, today. Yeah, I think it's increasingly important, partially because of a, a generational shift in just how we buy stuff. Like, it's probably weird, but like, I'll do 15, 20 minutes of research on like, what's the best toothbrush? And like, I'll go to sites, read top 10 toothbrushes. And when I go to Amazon to actually buy it, I want to make sure it's got at least 400 reviews and at least like a 4.7 rating. So I think the method of how we evaluate products to sell in our own personal life has now, as we kind of grow up and become decision makers in our own companies, has flowed over into how we evaluate B2B products. I think, you know, back in the day, it's probably sufficient to have a couple good looking case studies and a video and you see some brands that you recognize, you're like, cool. Um, But now you're like, wait a second, like, I need to be a little bit more scientific about this. Like, how, how does this vendor have evidence about how they've worked with someone in my industry that's a similar size and in a similar use case and similar challenge. And I'm probably not going to feel comfortable unless there's there's sufficient evidence to demonstrate they've worked with someone in my shoes now. 100%. And one thing we always say is it's trust builds revenue and like nothing happens b- before there's trust. So yeah, it's really, it's, it is true. And one thing we were talking a little bit about uh, in the pre-show, this is setting a strategy. So, like, if I'm a marketer who's listening to this and and I like what I'm hearing, you know, but I maybe feel like I haven't, you know, I need to catch up or I'm a little like behind. You know, what tips or you know perspective would would you share for someone who who's just kind of wants to get started, you know, and, and actually figure out you know their strategy first and foremost, you know, as it pertains to achieving all those things that that you talked about, having more customer evidence, filling those gaps. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, you're not alone. I mean, I think like today as a customer marketer or just a marketer in general, like there's so many different types of evidence and customer success stories now to, to keep track of. Like you have, you have big, well-produced videos, you have kind of selfie software and low-produced videos, you have testimonials, the emergence of review sites like G2 Crowd and Gartner Peer Insights and Trust Radius. And so you need to figure out like, how do I take a finite scarce like resource, which is the customer base, which we need to protect and serve them up in a way that, that we can reproduce these six stories across all these different channels. So where to start, you know, I think cover your main customers first. Like you do need your logos on your website. You do need a couple of good videos. Like you do need your major case studies, but then if you're a small team, you have to start figuring out ways to to scale and use kind of one to many approaches to collect evidence and feedback and stories at scale. So that's where things like surveys can do a really good job of you know not just being one to one conversations, but canvassing and capturing feedback from a lot of people at once. And then also the survey is a great way to figure out where what to do next. So you know if you find out through this survey that you have unhappy customers pass them to the product management team so they can figure out how to make the product better. If you find you have happy customers through that, then great, let's let's follow up and try to turn those customers into videos. So I think getting a pulse with your customer base and understanding who's happy and, and, and who's not and where they're at in their customer journey before dictates then you know an intelligent set of next steps or actions or, or advocacy activities that follows from that. 
And yeah, hundred percent agree. And I love the point about, you know, you can get through the survey, you can kind of determine who those hand raisers are that are willing to do some of the more in-depth um, advocacy activities, like you mentioned, you know, video, et cetera, and having that survey at scale, it's a great way to identify them. Now we've talked about surveys. Obviously there's a lot of basic survey tools. However, I know user evidence is very different and very unique and purpose-built for customer evidence. Just to give a little context for our listeners, can you tell me about that? And like, what's different, you know, with user evidence uh, than like the, what pe- most people think of as like, a, oh, like a, one of those survey tools, right? Yeah. So, I mean, survey tools, like we use Google Forms, we use SurveyMonkey for a variety of different things from doing market research to even getting our own customer feedback to planning events, to getting people's t-shirt sizes. They're, they're incredibly useful for a number of different things. I think what we've done with user evidence is, is use a survey as part of our application, but then we purpose-built a, a workflow and a set of features around taking survey feedback, particularly happy feedback from customers, but then actually turning it into finished, elegant, branded marketing content and collateral. So the, the main difference is if you just did a survey and got customer feedback, you know, you have an Excel spreadsheet of data, right? But then that data needs to be cranked, analyzed, and pulled out and then turned into content assets. So we built a process to basically automate the creation of things like case studies, for instance, at the click of a button where traditionally that would take you know, a person many weeks to, to come up with a finalized case study. So it's, it sounds like, so if I'm you know, using user evidence, I can sort of, I can send the survey, I get all that great content. And then instead of trying to figure out, oh, I have to get this designed, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I can kind of just auto magically design it. Is is that fair to say? I can sort of like click a button and it segments the best quotes. It designs it. And, you know, I got my quote cards. I've got my slides. I have like a one pager. Is that basically fair to say? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, we'll take the, the positive data. So that might be testimonials or case studies from individuals and transform it into templates, essentially, that look really good and have your brand uh, or it might be statistical evidence where it might quantify things like ROI. And you might create a statement that said 80% of our customers saw ROI in four months or less. So we've been really inspired. There's a whole set of what I would call citizen design tools like Canva and Infogram that do a really good job of taking a normal person like you or me and allowing them to create cool looking documents that are really well done. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to democratize that that design ability for normal marketers that have no design background to still create really good finished content and collateral that fits you know, beautifully into a website or a sales presentation. Love it. Hugely valuable. And so if, if you're currently just using surveys and you're manually kind of handling that design, uh, there you go, user evidence, uh, that will solve a lot of your challenges there. You said you wanted to talk about this uh, kind of idiom of using the whole chicken as it pertains to you know customer advocacy and uh, and customer evidence. Tell me more about that. What do you what do you mean by uh, you know using the whole chicken? Yeah, um, my wife's big into sustainability, and like my sister is an organic farmer, so we, we talk a lot about you know sustainability and food, and one part of that is reducing waste. And so using the whole chicken means you know don't just chop off the wings and make wings and then throw the rest of the chicken away. Like there's a lot of good stuff in that. Take the meat and then after you're done with the bones, make it into stock and all that. So not to beat the analogy to death, but that same problem presents itself with with customer feedback specifically. Uh, If you look at an organization, 
there is a, a lot of different functions within an organization that wants customer feedback, which is, again, a, a scarce resource and the customer base needs to be protected. So you have customer support pinging them about how they can make the support experience better. You have product management and UX and UI design pinging them to figure out how to make the product experience better. There are people are paying G2 and Gartner to send emails to get reviews. They're asking them to do videos, to do case studies. So you have all these people asking customers, hey, can we get your time for some sort of feedback? But it's very, right now, it's very single purposed in the way we do that. Like, well, G2 is a good example where we'll go out and say, hey, do you mind leaving a review? And we'll ask that to everybody, even unhappy customers. And, and we'll just say, okay, if you're not happy, we don't want that. And we'll throw it away. Same thing with product feedback. We'll say, hey, is there anything we can prove? Someone says, no, I love it. Great, we're done with that person. And there's an opportunity to be more intelligent about what kind of feedback we're asking, depending on where that person is in the customer journey and how happy they are. So for instance, if they are happy, maybe a good opportunity to get product feedback, but maybe a better opportunity to get a video or a case study versus someone that's unhappy. Not a good time to ask for a review if you just crashed their servers and whatever you did, but a great time to get product feedback. So I think we can be more intelligent about the, the feedback ask we put in front of customers if we can somehow just get some insight beforehand on how happy they are and where they are in their customer journey. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. And uh, completely agree. And that's that's a great analogy. In terms of, I love the idea of reducing waste too, right? As marketers, that is what we need to do, right? Where everything needs to go a little bit further. And you know, the, the sort of impetus is do more with what you have, right? Right, yeah. And extensibility, micro content, all, all of these things. If we're going to talk, about, I guess, about reducing waste, I'm curious, like specifically for like the customer advocacy side or customer, you know, evidence side, where do you see, um, I'm curious, is there a place where you see like a lot of waste, you know, happening, you know, right now, like currently? Yeah, I mean, I think the micro content's a great example of, of a solution to a waste problem, right? Like we put a ton of effort into getting a, a marquee customer to do a video, for instance, and we put a ton of production money into that. There's a long tail of content snippets, snackable, digestible, potential cool content you can create from that that doesn't happen. So I think the, the whole concept of taking longer format content and chunking it up into different formats, but also the concept of creating variants or kind of different templates or themes or skins around content that are appropriate for different channels um, is really interesting as well. You know, even with a video, just creating different kind of preview screens for LinkedIn and social versus what you would show in a longer white paper download. So I think that the method there is, is kind of varying the attention span or length of the offer for the appropriate channel. And chances are like th there's already a lot of good potential content that you put a lot of work into. There's probably a way to kind of chunk it up into different formats um, to get a lot more life out of that content. Like this podcast, for instance, we will take <laughs> pieces of this and we will use it for a long time. So things like that can be very useful. Hundred percent, yeah, and and that's that's a great example, right? You know, we're gonna we're gonna chop this up, we're gonna distribute it on social, and and really, yeah, turn it into that that micro content. And and customer customer content should be no different. Uh, it's it's so true. And in terms of another thing that you mentioned when we were you know in the pre-show is like you guys are passionate and care about 
telling the story of the little guy or the little gal, right? I, I think you mean in terms of helping marketing teams um, not just you know focus solely on those those marquee names and also building you know your customer stories for those more normal or, or standard size um, logos right that aren't marquee names but tell me tell, tell us more about that you know what do you mean by that and, and why why does it matter yeah well it's interesting I think part of the reason that's a problem customer advocacy customer marketing I think kind of stemmed originally from kind of corporate marketing which has more of a, a kind of brand and communications forward focus. And, and so naturally, and this is a good thing, like naturally like they their first step when they think of customer marketing is to think about how can we get Ferrari on stage talking about how they're using IBM databases to make cars faster, whatever, like cool stories, big brands that everyone knows, lots of high production value. And that's kind of the gold standard. And, and if you ask a marketer, like, yeah, we need to get more Ferraris and NFLs and Goldman Sachs on the record and stuff. But then you'll talk to a salesperson. This is actually a great, great conversation I have with one of our customers last week, well-known brand that everyone knows, and they have plenty of great customer stories, but their problem was they had a bunch of reps in APAC, you know, in Japan that were pretty new regional office. And all they would have is Ferrari and NFL and Goldman Sachs, and they're, they're trying to sell to Japanese companies, and they don't have any stories that are regionally appropriate for Japanese companies. And that, that's, you see that same thing with small companies as well. It's like, yeah, I know how yeah, the NFL uses Salesforce to, to do this, this, and this, but that doesn't necessarily help me figure out how me as a startup <laughs> uses Salesforce, right? So there's a relevancy issue. If we focus only on top customers, we're not appropriately representing um, the diversity of our customer base and and we're not demonstrating that we've worked for someone that that looks like that particular prospect so that, that's you know, what i meant by like representing the little guys is be trying to be more representative of your entire customer base and, and more accurate with how you've worked certain segments or worked with certain segments i think is one thing that can help build trust and just reduce uncertainty for a buyer so true. And and uh, another thing that I know you're passionate about and a problem that you guys are tackling is um, bringing the data and the statistical proof to customer advocacy, to customer storytelling. Can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, where do you, what do you see changing and, and what's your core belief there as it, as it really, you know, as it pertains to, you know, data? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, first, both are important. Different types of people make decisions in different ways. I think this is why you see a politician, like a presidential candidate, every part of their speech, they're going to say, you know, I've talked to David, who's a mechanic in Kansas and, and Marty, who's a nurse in Vermont, and they're having this, this, and this um, versus, you know, Al Gore style, get up there and talk about data and climate and stuff like that is a, sometimes a different way of, of communicating. Both, both are important. I think on the, the data side, it's important for those people that are more analytically minded, um, like me when I buy stuff, to present that more evidence-based argument or story about how your product's going to deliver return on investment or increase pipeline generation or whatever the metric is that they're, they're trying to measure. Um, a good example, I'm evaluating right now data providers. Um, we're looking at Zoom Info, which is obviously the, the most well-known in the category and costs a lot of money. And then we're working with another, or we're looking at another vendor, less well-known, less money, but claims that they have 40% better mobile number data than Zoom Info. 
awesome. Like if that was true, like that'd be sweet. <laughs> um, we would buy them, but I have no way to verify that. That's just, that's just their claim. And I'm probably going to go with the safer option just because I, I know Zoom Info's name, even though this other vendor might be better. But if they had a way to actually back up those claims with some, some numbers and some evidence and some examples from actual customers beyond just one or two case studies on their website, I would give them a chance. So I think, you know, particularly emerging vendors, you miss out a lot if you're not presenting, you know, statistical evidence to an analytically minded buyer. Yeah, it's, it's such a good point. You know, it's definitely not, you know, either or it's got to totally. be both, you know, so I think for you coming from like a sales background is that's pretty unique, I think, and in, in you have a, uh, a great perspective. And actually, I, might, I have a sales background as well, but like, you know, you have a great perspective on what sales wants out of kind of the customer advocacy function and, you know, customer evidence. And, you know, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. And feel free to, I don't know if you have any interesting, you know, stories to share from your time in the trenches uh, about that. Yeah. That's why I'm laughing. I think oftentimes it's it's, it's what sales wants in terms of content and collateral and stories is is very different than what marketing wants and certainly different than than what we actually have. Yeah. I think for sales, a great example is like one of my previous companies, like we got this beautiful slide deck that, that they spent, got way too much money on. Um, but it looked awesome, had some a couple of awesome stories. But then as a salesperson, I'd be like, mm, all right, well, I'm talking to someone in a different industry, different use case. I'm just going to cut this up and, and make it a little bit different. Uh, and so marketing would always just gasp at like how sales has carved up their once beautiful deck into this much more ugly, but tactically useful document that's appropriate for their prospect. Yeah, I think sales, like if you ask them, we want more variety and coverage across different types of customers. Like most of the time we're not trying to sell to Ferrari in the NFL. Like if we are great, but like a lot of times it's just, there's a poor mid-market AE that has some you know territory and there's probably not good representation and customer stories from that industry or that segment. So I think variety is what we want. We want good coverage across different industries, use cases, personas, uh, regions, like we mentioned. I think we also want just short, like our attention spans aren't very high as salespeople. Certainly our prospects, when they're looking at you know, 900 emails a day, the attention span is really, really low. So, you know, the five page long glossy case study, well, again, like that, we need that. We need it later in the sales cycle when we've earned that attention span. We need little like just headlines, snippets, little attention grabber stuff that we can put an email, we can put on social. That's just super low attention span, but but hard hitting. Those, those I think are two just tactical differences in what sales wants and usually what marketing provides. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. And you hit on, um, you know, the, the buyer journey in different stages in the buyer journey, which I think is a really interesting and uh, nuanced topic that is, is very important. So I'm curious, like, how do you think about customer evidence throughout the buyer journey? Because I feel like it's only in the past couple of years where like we've been thinking about, you know, I think customer evidence throughout the whole entire buyer journey, because it used to be much more of like a checkpoint. You know, they're, they're almost there, hit them with the case study, kick them over the line type of thing, right? <laughs> right. Like maybe that was what it, the default five years ago. And now, you know, thankfully, like customer content is really just like any form of marketing content in a lot of ways. But I'd love to hear, you know, and, and of course it has to 
be through the buyer journey with, with that in, in mind. But yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that within the sales process as well, because this sales process is just one part of the buyer journey, but there's very different stages in the sales process as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the nature of the topic that you're talking about at different stages in the sales funnel is very different. Like, you know, early in the sales funnel, when they're barely aware of the problem that they have and they're just kind of considering even entering in, into looking at something at this space. And that awareness funnel, that's where like market research does really well. I mean, market research is a form of customer research. Not all of the the data might come from customers. Some of it might come from prospects, but showing people, hey, look, your peers are are struggling with the same challenges that you are. They're thinking about you know, evolving to this next stage in their maturity and, and getting a little bit towards that kind of peer-based almost fear, right? Where it's like, ah, people are thinking about this, like I should be thinking about it is really interesting. And then of course, when you get later in the funnel and you've again, earned attention span, then you can say, okay, here's why we're better than this particular competitor for people in this industry. And here's how we delivered ROI for someone that has a very similar use case to you. So I think that's another interesting use cases for surveys is, is you can cover a lot of different topics. You know, I think of when you, when you think of a case study you know, and a review and stuff like that, you, you kind of think about that end state, right? Like, oh, we used the product, we loved it, we got a bunch of results and ROI and stuff. But potentially equally as interesting is getting feedback and showing data from people earlier in that awareness consideration stage. Like what challenges were you solving? Where are you thinking about where the industry is going? Yeah, I think I've seen more and more, which is great, of those kind of 2022 state of X industry reports. Um, and I think those are performing really well because people are interested in, in what their peers are doing and they want to stay on top of their job function. They want to stay on top of their industry. Um, so that sort of market research data and, and thought leadership and industry trends data can be really interesting, particularly early yeah, in the sales funnel. And that's, that might not necessarily be thought of traditionally as a, a customer advocacy asset, but it, you know, it can be customer data. Yeah. And so it sounds like, you know, in the, in the very beginning, like, top of the funnel, like customer content is still valuable, but it's, it can't be like the traditional like case study content because um, they're not solution aware or, or like in the consideration stage. They first, it's almost like they just need to admit they have the problem or like realize like that it is a problem. So, so maybe it sounds like the customer content would be more like really just eliciting that that pain or like talking about the category is is that is that kind of correct yeah i think i think that's right and i think you know here's an example to add something specific to it. let's say salesforce published a report a survey of 279 sales leaders from companies in 0 to 10 million arr that are saas companies and talked about the report was you know 2022's how remote working has changed outbound prospecting. And we asked 272 Salesforce customers, I would download the report. <laughs> that's, that's incredibly interesting, right? It's, it's timely, it's relevant. It speaks to a huge problem that we have. I don't need to know what Salesforce does at all yet. I don't care, but it's Salesforce customers and, and I want to read it. And then when I get further, yeah, I can then read case studies and stuff like that. But bringing forward substantive, timely, data and research about your customers or the market, that's going to get eyeballs, right? Just because, again, it's so important for people to stay on top of that stuff. Absolutely. And I think we've, we've sort of hit on 
it a, a little bit in various uh, you know shapes and forms. But you know, I'm curious, how do you think about the different mediums of customer evidence? You know, the maybe the big big three being you know written case studies, third party reviews, and then customer videos. How do you sort of just kind of compare or contrast those different you know formats? And and obviously, yeah, it's not a not a either or thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think really awesome examples of this I've seen yeah, integrate them really well. Yeah, I think if you look at consumer companies like Snapchat and Instagram and stuff like that, like when you're scrolling through your feed, yeah, picture, video, little highlighted quote, whatever, like it all just, it, it feels natural and it flows from one to the other. And I think I think that's going to be a great experience um, in a B2B context as well. So I, I like the idea of regardless of where it's sourced from, it could be sourced from user evidence, testimonial, video, G2, whatever, like starting to integrate all these assets into contextual personalized microsites or micro experiences for prospects that blend a lot of these formats or mediums, um, but then also allow engagement and progression within that medium. So for instance, like you might start with a microsite with some of the market research stuff, and then as someone clicks through and gets more interested, Maybe it dynamically then morphs into to case studies that are relevant for that type of prospect in their industry. So I think, you know, the technology is there. You look at Showpad, um, Lookbook, uh, whatever it's called now, Path Factory, and some of these technologies to dynamically present content. I think customer sourced content is an evidence is it's a vastly more important ingredient today. And I think there's a tool set that enables marketers to get really creative with, with how they present it. So I think it'll be exciting to to see what I think is a much needed shift in in getting towards a more kind of digitally native, immersive, engaging experience and presentation of customer evidence. Such a good point for the future trends. You know, so what maybe we can say one future trend is more immersive, you know, interactive you know, ways of kind of consuming the customer content, you know, at, at, the, at the leisure of the buyer. What other kind of trends do you see, you know, from your vantage point as a, as a CEO, as a founder in this industry, anything else that you are very bullish on that, that you see like, this is, you know, this is the future and we hit on micro content, but yeah, any, any other key ones? Yeah, I think the emergence of peer-based research, uh, I think, is going to be increasingly important. I mean, I think you know, 10 years ago for most enterprise purchases, people placed a ton of weight on Gartner and Forrester and, and analyst firms. And I would wager there's some chunk of the audience today that probably has never heard those names. <laughs> um, and who cares? Like, we don't like, why am I going to need to go look at some stodgy person talking about some new technology that I know my friends know better than they do, right? So... I think it's really interesting, like what G2 and, and Trust Radius and those folks are doing. On the other hand, like that's getting kind of noisy too. And there's, there's definitely some manipulation of those review sites as well. So I, I think it's going to be because it's so noisy, like trust is becoming so much more important. And I think it's going to be very interesting to, to see who becomes trusted sources. One idea that I have that I think is really interesting, and, and like I got this from just like joining cool Slack communities around product-led growth and customer marketing is like references and case studies from people that are I know are experts in the community weights as experts are vastly more important to me than somebody random saying, yeah, I love this stuff. So I, I think we'll see kind of like micro influencers in a way, but kind of micro analysts or micro experts pop up as 
experts in their particular domain that have an outsized influence on how people make decisions. So again, I think it becomes more, it's a cool shift. It's what I would call a democratization of, of influence to people that are probably like practitioners and people that actually have hands-on experience that are probably better suited to, to comment on you know, the strength of someone's technology or product. It's such a good point in, in terms of, um, I also think, uh, you know, in terms of like the trust factor and how, how it's going to change. And like, even in, in our space at Testimonial Hero, there's deep fakes, right? Or in, in video yeah, are, are, are right. incoming. It's already, you know, being used for like fake consumer reviews or like just like, you know, some stuff with like an actor who it's like Tom Cruise endorses the commercial, but because he films it as a deep fake, he doesn't need to show up on set and it's done, you know? So like augmented media is a whole interesting thing. But uh, but yeah, to, to your point, it, it's like the the credibility of the individual and the fact that you know them and, you know, it, it only becomes more important because then, you know, if you're connected with them on LinkedIn, you can literally go and ask them, say, hey, like I, I saw you, yeah. you know, were in that video testimonial for, you know, you know, company X, anything like you want, you'd add to that, like, do you really love the product? And then, you know, you can sort of, there's like that, that manual verification if you know them or if you follow them, you know, and, and I think that is thankfully like what we can do in B2B that we can't really do on the consumer scale. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Link, thank you, LinkedIn, for, for giving us the ability to verify for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I really interesting like that you brought that up. And that's another I think, future idea is like, you know, customer stories right now are often, are almost always static, right? And they're one way. It's a story that's going out. It's not a conversation at all. And I, I think people will start to bring in an element of conversation where, like you said, like you can actually ask, you might even get paired with someone dynamically that's in your industry and, and a similar type of use case and say, hey, look, here's a reference that's yeah, good for you. And it's not the old school format of like, let's set up a reference call, which sounds scary and terrible, like just a more fluid, you know, socially native dynamic conversation, I think is, is a really interesting concept to us. 100%. Evan, this has been great. For folks listening, how can they you know, get in touch and learn more about yourself and connect with you and also learn more about uh, user evidence? Yeah, just ping me directly. I'm evan at userevidence.com, E-V-A-N at userevidence.com, uh, also on LinkedIn, Evan Huck. So would love to talk. This is obviously a, a fun topic for us and something that we think a lot about. So uh, eager to hear feedback. Wonderful. Um, thanks so much, Evan. And uh, we'll have to have you on for round two sometime. Yeah, indeed. Looking forward to it. Alrighty, folks. That was a great episode with Evan Huck of userevidence.com. Uh, some really good stuff that we hit on around you know, reducing waste in, in customer feedback. And, and just that, I think that's just such a powerful, powerful image, powerful metaphor to think about. So that's something that we should all be asking ourselves. It's like, where is the, where's the waste in, in our process right now? And, and how can we be more sustainable, to, to use that metaphor, uh, with our customer marketing, with our customer evidence and our customer feedback? Talked a lot about, you know, micro content and, and the power of, you know, the snackable content in you know today's uh, day and age, and, and you know especially for distributing that content over social, you know needs to be snackable. We talked a ton about the power of evidence and data and statistical proof, and 
definitely recommend checking out usereevidence.com. That's you know one of the key things they focus on is is getting those data insights. And yes, this has been the State of Customer Storytelling podcast. I'm Sam Shepler with Testimonial Hero. And if you have any other folks that you'd love to hear us chat with, shoot me an email. My email is sam at testimonialhero.com. We're always looking for new guests for the show. And until then, uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.